Welcome to the Bonaventures Book Club Podcast. My name is Patrick Nevy, and I will be your host. Me and two of my friends created Bonaventures Book Club with the goal in mind of making classical theology more accessible. Now, for those of you who don't know what Bonaventures Book Club does exactly, we curate the great works of, of Catholic literature, we abridge them and adapt them for modern audiences, and then we create these beautiful print editions of the book that fit right in your back pocket. And you can get your hands on these copies for a $60 subscription per year. You get three books a quarter, and that's only $5 a book, which is the great works of the church delivered right to your door and then can fit right in your back pocket. On top of that, we didn't want to leave you up the creek without the paddle, so so we're starting this podcast to be released along with our shipments, as well as a private Facebook group just for our club members to talk about the works themselves, to get acquainted, and to kind of dive deeper and get the most out of what these works have to offer. This podcast will be released along with our shipments, and each shipment has a theme. So this podcast will follow the theme of those shipments, explain how, how the works fit in with each other, relate to each other, and how you can use these works to really pray and get to know the heart of God better. So you may be thinking, why St. Bonaventure? Of all saints, why St. Bonaventure? Well, for those of you who know, St. Bonaventure was a Franciscan theologian. He was a medieval Franciscan theologian, and he was a contemporary of St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, they went to they went to school together. I like to think of, of Bonaventure sitting right behind Aquinas, and Aquinas is the guy who always has his hand up, and Bonaventure's the guy who's just sitting in the back like, oh man, what a nerd. Uh, these Both of these men became doctors of the church, and doctors of the church are men and women who have contributed to the intellectual tradition and the spiritual tradition of the church in such a way that that they uh, that they receive a special honor, and there's only roughly 30 doctors of the church, and each of them, pretty much each of them, has a nickname. Uh, Do- Thomas Aquinas is is famously called the angelic doctor because he he knew and understood the heart of God at a level of the angels. Right now, some Dominicans may get upset with me. Uh, Aquinas was a Dominican, and and Bonaventure was a Franciscan, and they have a little bit of a healthy rivalry. They might get mad at me for pointing out that while Aquinas was called the angelic doctor, Bonaventure was called the seraphic doctor. And for those of you who know your angelology, the seraphim were the highest choir of angels. They're the closest to the heart of God. They're called seraphim because they're burning with love for God. And so Bonaventure was also called seraphic. He was called burning because Bonaventure, more so than the other theologians of his time or before him, he really understood what theology was. That it's a closeness to the heart of God and that when you participate in it, you burn with love for him. And so that's why we named our book club after St. Bonaventure because we want to imitate the way that he did theology, particularly. We want, we want you to do theology. And the problem with saying that nowadays is people don't really understand what the word theology means because like many other words that we use on a day-to-day basis we really don't understand what the word means right like the word faith or grace or hope or love we don't really we don't really use those words correctly and so before we before we dive into our series before you even get your first shipment from Bonaventure's book club I want to really focus on what the word theology means and how Bonaventure understood it. 
He first understood it as a science, and by science I mean a way of knowing truth. And not only as a science in and of itself, but as the literal queen of sciences. He called it the queen of sciences. It reigns over all of the other ways of knowing because theology is a unique science. Only in theology does the object of your study know more about you than you could ever know of it, right? God knows more about us than we could ever know about him in a way that like, you know, when you study plants, you know, they're not going to know any more about you than you know about them, like physics and space. We can know so many things and those things can't know us back. But in theology, we know God and he knows us better. The correct usage of the word theology actually comes from Catechism paragraph 236. And it's in a section on the Trinity. And this is the other way that that Bonaventure understood theology better than we do, is he connected it intimately with the Trinity. Now, the word theology is defined in the Catechism under the Trinity because theology is defined as the inner life of the Trinity itself. It's contrasted with another word in Greek called oikonomia. Now, oikonomia, I want to keep using that word because it's English translation. Uh, it doesn't really hit the nail on the head exactly. It doesn't really hit exactly the concept that it describes. The theology describes the inner life of the Trinity, and the oikonomia of the Trinity refers to its works, right? So the theology of the Trinity has existed before all time, but the oikonomia of the Trinity is how the Trinity has manifested itself on earth. The word oikonomia comes from the Greek word oikia, which means house or home or family. It didn't just mean the brick and mortar of a house. A, a, a son was said to be part of the oikia of a person. Uh, a man's oikia included his servants, right? So the angels are part of God's oikonomia, right? Um, we use the word, we translate the word oikonomia into the word economy, but that gives us, you know, that gives us an idea of, you know, the economy of our country. And in a sense, that makes sense because the economy is how our country works in the world. But the, the concept of oikonomia has much more to do with God building his family. And the catechism says that we understand who God is in and of himself, his theology, in the way that he works, his economy, his oikonomia. But we also understand his oikonomia, his works, better once we understand who he is. So it's kind of this cyclical loop, right? We, we see God's works, and that helps us understand who he is. And then we know better about who he is, and so we can better understand his works. And this is how we get to know people too, right? You can, you can see the way someone acts, and so you can know a little bit about them. But until you really get to know them, you can't really understand why they do certain things. So this is how we get to know God too. Now, if we, if, we, if we know God's theology based on his oikonomia, his, his economy, then that means we have to study his economy in order to get to know theology in and of itself. And so, what are the works of God? What did God do? And to answer this question, you just need to pick up a Bible and flip to a page because this scripture is the descriptions of the works of God. 
And like I said before, oikia doesn't just refer to to a home, God building like a house. It refers to it refers to his whole family, right? And what are the works of God on earth but him building a family? Right? He started he started creation. Creation is the first work of God and he began creation by making a chosen two people, a husband and a wife. He began his family the way every family begins, a husband and wife, Adam and Eve. And then that family fell away and he made a larger family. He established a new covenant with with a household, right? With Noah and his sons. And then that family fell away. And so he went to Abraham and he said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many. And so he made a new family that was a tribe, a tribe of many families together. And then that family fell away. And then he called Moses years and years later. And he said, I'm going to make you the leader of many tribes of many families. And then that family fell away and they decided they wanted a king instead of God. And so God said, okay, I'm going to call a man after my own heart to be my king. I'm going to call David. And he's going to be the leader of not only the tribes of Israel, but of many tribes of many people. And that's going to be my family. And that family is going to be an image of the family that is to come because this kingdom of this world is limited by borders. But my kingdom that is to come is not going to be limited by borders. My kingdom that is to come is going to be a kingdom of kingdoms, of tribes, of families, of people. My kingdom that is to come is going to be for all of the nations. And that's why that's why God created his chosen people. He didn't just create his chosen people so those people could go to heaven. He created his chosen people so that they could be a blessing to the nations and bring all of the people in because the work of God is not finished until his family is full, until his house is full. And his house is big enough not only to fit all of the people on this earth that exists now, but also every person who's ever existed. That's how big his family is. And it's up to us to choose to become a part of that family. And so those works of God show us who he is in and of himself. And who is he in and of himself but the perfect relationship, the perfect family of three persons. And the big secret The big secret of theology, right? The big secret of salvation history that I just laid out to you is that these works aren't in the past. That's something that that we we think of when we look at when we look at scripture, we see we see, oh, this happened many years ago, and therefore it doesn't it doesn't really matter anymore. Or if it does, at least only matters in the sense that like family history does, right? In the sense that like, oh, grandma, grandma and grandpa, you know, they they were alive during World War II, and that's interesting and all that, but like that doesn't really have any bearing on my life. No, the works of God are living and effective. Salvation history didn't die when the apostles did, salvation history lives on through the saints who bear witness to God through their words and their actions. And that's why theology is important. That's why the study of theology throughout the ages is important because salvation history continued through these men and women who bore witness to the works of God through their words and through their works, whether through letter on letter on paper or through blood on the ground in martyrdom. And all of this is theology, martyrdom, right? Works of love, right? Works of sacrifice of the mass. All of these things are theology because when we do good works, we are actively participating in the inner life of the Trinity. 
when we do good, when we live good Christian lives, we are participating in the inner life of the Trinity. And participation in the inner life of the Trinity is the very definition of grace, which is the topic for our first series. And we'll get into that in the following podcasts. But back to St. Bonaventure. The purpose of this book club, the purpose of, of this whole endeavor, is not to make you smarter than your friends. <laughs> I want to make that abundantly clear because that's a temptation that I'm tempted to fall into, right? Like that, that's, um, that's sometimes why people want to, to listen to apologetics tapes on, you know, faith alone or grace alone, right? We, cause we want to dunk on our Protestant friends or, or we want to, we want to listen we want to know the five proofs of Thomas Aquinas so that we can dunk on our atheist followers on Twitter or on Facebook, right? But if, if the purpose of theology is for you to get smarter than your friends, that that may happen, sure. But like Jesus said to the Pharisees, you know, you've received your reward. See, see, theology goes deeper than that. Theology goes deeper than just a mere intellectual pursuit. It's incarnational. The goal of this book club is, is, is not to get you smarter. It's to get you to live theologically to live in the inner life of the Trinity. And who did that better than Jesus Christ himself, the incarnate word of God who lives literally in the middle of the Holy Spirit and the Father. He who lived from all of eternity in between the Father and the Holy Spirit, who's lived in the midst of the Trinity forever and who came to earth to show us how to do it so that we can live in him and through him forever. That's the goal of theology. That's how St. Bonaventure wrote. That's how St. Augustine wrote. That's how Thomas Aquinas wrote. That's how Athanasius wrote. He wrote so that people can live their lives in the Holy Trinity. And that's why we're publishing and producing and sending you these books and doing these podcasts is so that you can live theologically too. Now, the, the man who got me interested in theology was a seminarian that I met when I was in high school. His name, his name was Blake. And he used to, he used to like tell us all of these things about God and it would, it would, it would blow our minds, right? How much he knew. Like, how is he able to quote scripture that easily? And we asked him how he was able to do stuff like that, how he was able to remember all of these theologians and remember all of these Bible verses. And he said, well, it's easy. When I study, I keep you in mind. He said, when, when I study, I don't study for a test. When I study, I study for my future parishioners. I study for my kids in, in this youth group. He's like, I study for you, Patrick. And that stuck with me. And, and he's the reason why I chose to study theology as I grew older. And, and, and my first year of college, when he found out that I was studying theology, he gave me a call. And at the end of that call, he said, Patrick, I, I, I believe that you are a theologian, but that doesn't mean that you get to get a big head. That just means that you have a responsibility now. That means that you have to focus all of your energy and all of your prayer on the incarnation because that is what matters more than anything else in this world, is that the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is the only thing that matters, and if you lose sight of that, then theology is going to be an empty pursuit. And St. Bonaventure lived this incarnational theology the best. He understood that 
when he studied, he did it for the same reason why a husband lays his life down for his wife, why a priest becomes celibate for the people. He did it so that other people could know God better. One of my favorite Bonaventure quotes is, the wood of the desk is the wood of the cross. He spent so much time studying that he he began to see the wood of the desk that he sat at and studied and prayed at as the very wood that Christ himself saved all of us. And when I was in school, that was just a, a fantastic idea, which is a crazy idea because I see my desk as something that I'm chained to. But he saw his desk as his cross, the thing that, that he willingly picked up for the betterment and salvation of souls. And so our purpose here is to live a life like that, is to see our study not as something that's self-aggrandizing or something that, that makes us you know, better than our friends or a better, you know, better, holier than other people, right? Our goal is to see our study as something that is sacrificial, as something that is, is, is incarnational. It unites us with God. We need to understand that theology is a living study a living study. It's not dead. It's a living study of the living God. We're studying something, someone that's larger than ourselves. And even when we know all that we can, we've barely scratched the surface. And I'd like to leave you with some words that a mentor once gave to me. He said, being a beginner is a condition that no theologian ever leaves behind, however advanced he may be. Welcome to the Noble Guild of Everlasting Beginners. 